And then you may be seated. Do you know what happens if we take the worship and love that we're expressing to Jesus in our own lives, our own daily times with Jesus in times like this? Do you know what happens if we take this loving Jesus with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, the first commandment that he commands us to follow him in? It naturally informs and leads to the second. What's Jesus' second commandment? Love your neighbor. Let's put this slide on the screen. Love your neighbor. And that's where we're going beginning over the next number of weeks. We're starting a series called The Surprising Impact of Loving Your Neighbor. And if you're not in a life group yet, you can use that QR code and go there and do it even now when I speak. But next week, we begin the sermon series on the surprising impact of loving your neighbor. If you haven't got the book yet, they're selling them still in the foyer, on the lower level in the foyer. If you're looking for it, there's only 50 books left. Otherwise, you'll have to get it on Amazon yourself. Please uh, get that book. Did you know that books are awesome, not if every page is awesome? I'm not claiming this book is the Bible, just for the record. And I'm not, no disrespect to the author. But if you read this book and you get one, two, or three things that helps you in your walk with Jesus, that's all it needs to do in order for it to be beneficial to you. Life groups have begun gun this past week. Thank you for everybody who signed up. Thank you for everybody who has started. Pray for the people in your group. Pray for your leader. Pray for your life group pastor, Pastor Glenn. He did a ton of work trying to put you together in nice packaged group. Big round of applause for Pastor Glenn today. Pray for the new people that you're meeting. You're going to have fellowship. You're going to have learning. You're going to be challenged to love your neighbor. You're going to Pray, take turn bringing snacks, do whatever is necessary that you can do to help the life groups be um, successful. You can sign up, as I said, at the QR code. You can go to the connections table. You can go to the table out there. We want you to get involved as we go through this church-wide emphasis together where we're all of one mind, preaching the same messages, learning the same things, to uh, be loving into our community. Because if we can love our neighbors, Scripture says they will know you by the way that you love. They'll know you by your fruits. And so if you want a greater witness as a Christian and as the body of Christ, it starts by us loving each other well as neighbors and loving those outside of us well. Um, connection card and giving. We want to thank everybody who's been signing up for the connection card. If you want to know what's going on, sign up and get the weekly email blast. Thank you for your gifts. If you've not given this month or you're just beginning to call the Rock Church home and beginning your financial stewardship journey here, we want to thank you and welcome you for that as we especially come to the end of the month because apparently bills come due then, Ken. Is that true? Just asking the treasurer over there if that's a true statement. You can use the QR code. There's the giving machine in the back with the debits or credit cards. Or you can do it old school like some of us and use the offering box. Envelopes. I was mocked the other day that I like using checks still. Anybody know what a check is? I like that. Online, I don't know if you can catch it, but that was to that man, that was the funniest thing I'd ever said. 
and I appreciate the vote of confidence. First time we met Ian and Val Bird, Lee and I, we had snuck into a Lifelinks conference because we were at the end of our rope. We were literally emotionally bleeding all over the place in 2011. And over the next few years, along with some other leaders in Lifelinks, they began to reach out to us and pour out in us. They've pastored churches. They, in 2019, Ian and Val became the leaders of Lifelinks five months before COVID. Do you know what's exciting? Becoming the leader of an international movement with 35 churches in North America and missionaries all around the world at COVID. From the dream of traveling and ministering face-to-face -to, -face to doing everything on Zoom, I think Ian permanently etched and concreted into his face a Zoom smile for a while there. They love Jesus. They love people. They pray hard. They work hard. Ian even gets a motorcycle ride in occasionally. If you're one of those guys, you can do that. Ian was part of the team that I got to travel with this fall. He was one of the keynote speakers, and it was a my trip went well because I got to travel with Ian, and he knew what to do and all the places to go. He spoke well. I learned and all that kind of stuff. In Nepal, at the end of his speaking, when he wrapped it up, he spoke so well that the people there wanted to party. And I said in November, I would show this video again if you were at the breakfast, so light it up. But this guy is where it's really at. That's the guy that knows what he's doing. All right, enough of that. Seriously, enough of that. Ian obviously knows more than the move of God. He's got some good moves himself. You're in for a treat today. I'm going to invite Ian and Val to come up. If they're both coming or whichever one is coming at this time, they'll want to greet you. Ian is also an award-winning author. And as I'm doing with books these days, I'm holding them up imaginary style. Because <laughs> he forgot his in Calgary. You can go to Amazon. Amazon or wherever you do your online books. Ian Bird, B-Y-R-D. And his book is entitled Life is a Highway. Hundreds have been blessed. I don't know about thousands yet. Are you at thousands? Hundreds have been blessed, and uh, we're grateful for that. Ian and Val, welcome here. Heavenly Father, we pray today for Ian and Val, and we thank you that you've chosen this time to bless us through their ministry. Would you anoint them and use them in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Greetings. How many of you know what the Jesus People Movement was all about? Raise your hand. Anybody remember? It was a Jesus movement. There was a movie even called The Jesus Something or Other. It was pretty great. I was a girl in Lethbridge, and my pastor had started a church from hippies, and uh, that was such a, a crazy, amazing move of God. And so I just finished reading a book called The God's Forever Family about the history of that movement. And out of it actually was birthed what we heard here, contemporary Christian music, because of that Jesus revolution that happened in the late, uh, 
late 60s, 70s. It's just an amazing move of God. And so as I was praying for us and the worship was going on, and I commend all of you that are involved in worship. I've been involved in worship most of my, most of my life, and I know the work that goes into it is powerful. But as I was worshiping with you today, I just had the sense that there is, I've, I've felt this for a long time now, at least a decade, God is stirring something. Something's going on. There is a wave. There is a momentum. There is a move happening. And I felt like today when we were in the prayer room, I heard Leah said it. She said something about this is the year of the ask. And I was like, I hadn't heard that before. But what I did hear from the Holy Spirit in my own spirit and for our own church community, that this was the year of the invite. And I want to encourage all of you that none of you are exempt. This is not just about the pastors or a few good leaders here, there, wherever. This is about all of you looking at the wave that's coming and going, Lord, help me ride this wave of the Holy Spirit. Because this is a year, I believe, where if you and I are bold and will just step out in faith and obedience to Holy Spirit in everyday life, there are people that are going to come closer to Jesus because you and I took the courage and the obedience and had faith and did the asking. This is a year of the ask and obedience. Not just hearing from the Lord, but obeying. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey. So I'm very excited. What, what it, this thing that God is doing. Look at you guys. I'm blown away. I was here a few years ago. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he partners with you. And I want to encourage you to get in on the adventure. Let this be a year where you catch the wave too. Step out in obedience. Amen. There. There we go. Perfect. I don't always work well with equipment. That's sometimes a problem. Anyway, you know, my wife loves evangelism. She loves um, seeing people reached and in her own personal life. And I'll tell a story later that relates to that. Um, but I'm so excited, too, to be here. You know, in Calgary, we spent seven years in a theater. So being back here is very similar. The lights and just the theater atmosphere. The only thing, the thing that's different here, I'm really super impressed because people actually sit in the spit zone here. <laughs> in Calgary, there was a few rows in front of me where no one would sit. And I don't know why. I started using deodorant. I think it was okay. But, but here, you guys are hungry. You're there. You're even in the spit zone, and that's really good. But I, I'm excited, too, to see. I, was, I think the last time I was here is a few years ago, and in the other building, and just to see the growth. God is moving. God is doing something. And I want to just jump right in because I, I have some thoughts for you today that I think will encourage you. Um, the message is called Make Room for More, and I guess you're in a series called Make Room. And, you know, when you moved into this theater, the reason that you moved here, the reason your leaders had you move here is because they wanted to make room for more. Uh, studies show in churches, once you get to a certain point and the building's full, people don't, don't come in anymore. It doesn't grow. And so, um, you know, they didn't want that to happen. So they, they pushed out there. They got a bigger venue. And then that venue starts to fill like it is right now. That's how life goes, right? That's how churches grow. But it's also the way things happen in our lives too. So this church is going to continue to grow. It is. Because you know what? There's a whole city in Saskatoon that needs to be reached. And as excited as we can get about the numbers here right now, there are so many more people that don't know Jesus. And it's God's heart that they be reached. 
But you know how he's going to reach them? It's through you. It really is. And I believe in the years ahead, days ahead, you're going to have uh, more, maybe more services, maybe bigger venues. God is going to make room in your church for more people. But he also wants to make room in you for more. See, the key is not just this church makes physical room for more. It's that each of you can make room in your heart and in your life for more people. Because you know how people will be reached? It's through you. God wants to use you. But the problem is sometimes, and I've had this same issue in my life, sometimes we look at our lives, we look at what we have, we look at what we can do, and we don't see the ability for more. In fact, we underestimate what God can do. We compare with other people. We say, those guys are so gifted. Look at the way he speaks. Look at the way she sings. Look at the way that guy shares with other people. I can't do those things. Now, here's the reality, though. God never bases things on what you can't do. All he expects is you to do what you can do. All he expects is that you would use what he's given you, the abilities, the time, the effort, the talents. That's all he expects from you. But sometimes the task seems so big that we don't do anything. You ever, you ever kind of struggle with that? Maybe around the house, you know, you had a really big clean-out project in your basement, and you, ne you needed to really clear out a lot of stuff. And if you're like me and you have something like that, sometimes you have the feeling to do it, and then you lie on your couch and the feeling goes away. Right, anybody? <laughs> because it seems so big. It's so big. But if you went down and you did a little bit, I have a room in my house I'm cleaning out right now, and I'm doing it in stages. Not all at once. I'll go in, do an evening, and then I go in again because it's daunting to me. We have a lot of stuff in there that I need to deal with, and I don't want to do it. But if I do it in stages, I can do it. And sometimes the task seems so big, reaching the city of Saskatoon and God reaching even your neighbors, seems so big that we just don't want to do anything. Or we feel so inadequate. And God wants to give you today encouragement. I, what I want to do is I want to share three stories from the Bible that I believe are going to encourage you to do what God's called you to do. And that whatever you have, if by faith you start using it, God's going to give you harvest and increase and blessing in your life even more than you can imagine. Ephesians 3 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wow. The God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I mean, I imagine for some of you thinking of where your church was at a few years ago and where it is today, you're thinking, this is more than I would have thought. This is immeasurably more. This is expansion and growth. Can I say something to you? God wants to do immeasurably more than this. He wants to expand it further. He doesn't want you to take the Foot off the gas. I really felt that this morning. I felt like, church, don't take your foot off the gas here. You gotta, let's go. Keep going. Because God has more. But he also wants to engage more of you in it. And if you're new to this church, you know, God brought you here for many reasons. And one of them is so that you can be healed, you can be encouraged. But it's also so you can engage in the mission. And you can become someone who now carries it. And you serve and you give, whether it's to this church and it will be, but also in your community and beyond. So God's mobilizing you. 
You didn't come here just to be part of a large crowd, which is nice and exciting. You came here to be part of a large army that's going into Saskatoon. You hear what I'm saying? And God wants to get you engaged as well. So let's, let's jump in. I want to share these three stories. Some of you here were at our LifeLinks conference in uh, Winnipeg, our leaders conference in October. And I shared something similar to this with some of these. So you, you might say, whoa, I think he only has one message. Probably only can speak one thing. Actually, I can speak other things. But when I thought about what to preach here, I really felt this was relevant to you today. And it's like, you know what? We need to dig in. So I'm, I'm going to apply some of this again today. And hopefully, for those that maybe heard it before, they would be stirred in even a fresh way. So let's look at three biblical stories and three biblical statements that I want to leave with you today. First is from Exodus 4. And this is Moses. This is the call of Moses. And remember Moses, just, just as kind of a refresher for all of us, Moses grew up, he, you know, he was a, a, a Hebrew, and he grew up in Egypt, and his people were in slavery. God preserved him from dying, and he actually became part of Pharaoh's household and was raised in the, the king's household. Isn't that amazing? And he realized, though, later on that actually God's hand was on his life, and he was called to deliver the Israelites from slavery. So he tried to do it in his own strength. He killed an Egyptian one day to protect another Hebrew. He thought he was doing God's work. But unfortunately, Pharaoh was upset. He had to run and flee into the desert. He spent 40 years in the desert. And instead of being like a prince of Egypt, anybody seen the cartoon? You know, instead of being the prince of Egypt, he was now a fugitive and he was working with sheep. One day he's walking around in the desert with his sheep and there's a burning bush. It doesn't get consumed. He's like, what is this? He goes up to it. God speaks to him out of the bush. I know it's wild, right? And then God talks to him and God calls him. God says, Moses, I want you to go and deliver my people. Now think about this for a minute. Moses has been 40 years in the desert and now he's supposed to go speak to Pharaoh and he's supposed to challenge Pharaoh and he's supposed to... um, appeal to the elders of Israel too that God has called him and he just he's thinking for 40 years I've been talking to sheep I mean it's lonely out here not much is going on that's all my leadership is and now you're calling me to go to Pharaoh he just says this is ridiculous and he tells God that he tells God he starts arguing with God anybody here tried to argue with God when God comes to you and says I want you to do this you're like I'm not worthy I can't and God says hey I made you right I'll tell you what you can do and what you can't do. So God doesn't let Moses off the hook. And finally, Moses says this in verse 1. He goes, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Because, you know, if I go and tell them that I was a burning bush and I heard God, they might doubt me. Anybody think that maybe some people might doubt you if you came to them like that? So the Lord says says to him, what is that in your hand? Now Moses was standing there, and what was in his hand was a shepherd's staff, right? That's what was in his hand. And God says, what's in your hand? He's like, well, my shepherd's staff. Now, that shepherd's staff represented 40 years of service in the desert, represented all the times he had to work with his sheep. He had to, um, you know, pick his way up the, the hills and the mountains. Like, it, it, it represented 40 years of desert and hard work and labor. It did not represent... 40 years of talking to Pharaoh and talking to the elders of Israel didn't represent that, but it represented faithfulness. In some ways, it represented his failure because the only reason he was in that desert is because he killed somebody 
So he failed. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in his hand, he holds this piece of wood. And, and God says to him, so he says, a staff, the Lord says, throw it on the ground. So Moses throws the staff on the ground, and it becomes a snake, which is supernatural. And then God says, pick it up. And he picks it up by the tail, which you shouldn't do either. And he does, and it becomes a staff again. And God says, go and show them this sign, and they will believe you. Well, you know, he continues to argue with God. Anyway, in the end, Moses goes, and he does use that staff. And there's many miracles. But what, it, what do I want to focus on here? Well, I want to focus on the fact that all Moses had when God called him was that staff. All he had. And all he had was failure. All he had, though, was faithfulness. He was faithful in what he was called to do. And God suddenly said, I'm taking you to the next level. And I will use what you have in your hand, your experience, if you'll surrender it to me, and I'll make it supernatural. You know, the the interesting thing is later on, if you read this account, when when they get to the Red Sea and they split the Red Sea, Moses uses that staff. That shepherd's staff, he uses it. And you know what they call it in the Bible? They call it the rod of God. Moses' shepherd's staff from the, from the desert is called the rod of God. It becomes supernatural. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, see, there's a beautiful picture for you and I. Because here's what it says. you got to get this. Whatever you have in your hand right now, whatever seems mundane, basic, whatever you, you're doing in life. Well, I, I, I'm a... I'm a wife who takes care of my kids, and I'm at home, and I'm faithful, and I'm raising these beautiful kids for the kingdom, and that's what I have in my hand, and I don't feel like there's a ton more, but I have that. God says, that's a lot. That's amazing. That's in your hand. I can use that. You surrender that to me, and I can do something with you. Or I've been in this job for years, and I I have aspirations that God would use me in other ways, and I feel like there's some things in my heart, but I've never done those things. I've never stepped out. And God says, well, what do you have? Well, I faithfully served. I've done these things. God says, give that to me. Give your time to me. Give me what you have, and I'll do something supernatural through your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what God is is, is saying to us today. And I, I really believe some of you here, you know, you would look at your life, and you would say uh, it's pretty basic. And and here's what's happening in this church. This church is growing, as you know, and that's exciting. But you know what's going to be needed in this church as it grows? More leaders, more people to step out and do certain things. Some of you here, there are positions and roles that God's going to call you to do, and initially you're going to be like Moses. Pastor Dallas, and it won't be with a burning bush. It'll just be Pastor Dallas probably talking to you. But he might come to you someday and say, you know, I see in you this call, and I, we have a need here, and I really think you're the right person. And you might start arguing with Pastor Dallas. You might say, no, 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 no. No, you don't understand. I don't have that. I've never done that. I don't have that ability. And he'll say, well, yeah, but I sense God's call on you, and we, we will train you. We'll help you, but you have the essence. See, in that moment, yeah. it would be really important for you to go, Okay, you know what? What do I have in my hand? Well, I do have this and this and this. I have faithfulness. And I have a call of God on my life. That's what Moses had. God, I'm going to surrender it to you. And this kind of scares me because I've never done this. I've never served this way. I've never stepped out this way. But God, I'm going to give you what I have. And I'm going to believe you that you're going to come and help me. I'm prophesying this. Some of you are going to have this happen. And you'll need to remember this message. 
You'll need to remember that God said to you, I just want you to give me what you have and I will raise you up and I'll take you to heights of leadership and gracing and fruitfulness that you didn't think was possible. Anybody? Can I hear an amen? Amen. I can't see you very well, if I'm honest. This used to be in my theater too. You know, you're kind of in your own little bubble, trusting. And sometimes if you're not preaching well, it's a good thing, right? (laughs) Just assume all is well, right? (laughs) So that's the first story I want to give you. That's the first story I want to give you. The second one is this. So the question from that one is, what is that in your hand? That's the first question. What is that in your hand? And then the second story I want to look at is from Luke chapter 9. And this is equally as supernatural. So this, this story, background, the apostles, the 12 disciples and Jesus, he has sent them out to proclaim the good news and heal. And so they come back and they, they're like, things are amazing. And so he says, let's withdraw by ourselves to a town called Bethsaida and let's just debrief and talk about what happened. The only thing is, people hear that Jesus is there. And Jesus was a big draw. Can you imagine why he was a big draw? Because he healed people, because he did so much in people's lives, and his teaching was amazing. So as soon as they hear that Jesus is there, they all flock over to where the disciples are. I don't know. If I was a disciple, I might have been disappointed. Oh, we wanted a break. We just did all these amazing things. And when Jesus was going to give us his focus, and now... But you know, Jesus, he doesn't seem bothered. He's like, you know, this is why I came. I want to bless these people. I want to minister to them. So they... Jesus starts teaching them. They're they're hanging out. There's 5,000 men and women and children, lots of people. And in the afternoon, his disciples are considering all this, and they go, they come up to him. I I imagine kind of quietly, hey, Jesus, I know you're really teaching right now, but I just need to say something. These people are getting hungry, I can tell, and uh, we have no food at all. There's no McDonald's nearby. There's nothing. Uh, I think you should send them away. Tell them to go to the surrounding countryside, get some food. We could even reconvene tomorrow. Like, let's, we better do something. Like, the sun's starting to go down. This could be bad. And Jesus says this. Now, think about this. This is you sitting there. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. That's a little cheeky, Jesus, right? (laughs) You give them something to eat. (laughs) His disciples are kind of hitting the head. Like, what do you mean? You expect us? And, and they even talk about it. They said, well, a year's wages wouldn't cover this. Like, there's no way. I mean, where would we get it? They're thinking logistics. One, one of the gospel accounts says that Jesus did this to test them because he already knew what he was going to do. Do you ever realize that sometimes Jesus does that with you? Hey, I want to ask you to do this. You're like, wow. And Jesus goes, you know, actually, just kidding. I know what I'm going to do. It's almost like that. He's not just kidding. But he, he knows <laughs> what he's going to do, but he wants to see if you can trust him. He wants to see if you'll be engaging with him. And so what he does is he, he, he does ask them a question, which seems very similar to what God asked Moses in another story I'm going to tell you. He does ask them what they have. You give them something to eat. You feed all these people. This is impossible, God. Hey, Rock Church, you give the city of Saskatoon something to eat. You feed all these people. You bless the whole city. Whoa. We can't do that. Then he says to Rock Church, what do you have? Check it out. That's actually what he tells them. What do you have? Go find out. Well, they go find out they have five loaves and two fish. Now, I like to believe 
that the boy was a willing participant. I do. <laughs> the, the boy with the five loaves and two fish. Now they didn't just rip off his, here, give us that. We're appropriating this. No, I, <laughs> we're the government. We're taking, no, I, <laughs> okay, sorry. Just, just stepped over a line there. But I, I don't believe it. I think the boy willingly gave it. I think they said, would you be willing to contribute this to our millions of people? He's, anyway, they, they, we have five loaves, two fish, which is nothing, right? It's kind of like nothing. But Jesus doesn't see it as nothing. It's something. Listen, Jesus can do a lot with something. All you need is to give him something, and he can do a lot. Sometimes we do because it seems so big and we feel like what we have is so little. We give him nothing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Give him something. When he comes to you and says, I want you to do this. I want, I want you to serve. I don't have much time. What time do you have? Well, I don't have a lot of money. How much money do you have? See, that's the question. Because he can work with that. So what he does is uh, he tells them to sit down in groups of 50. Like, wow. And if you're a disciple, you're like, what's going to happen? Because we have five loaves and two fish. He says, give me the five loaves and two fish. And he, they give it to him. And then he begins to break it. He breaks it, gives it back to them. And then as they give it to other people, it begins to multiply. Now, in heaven, I am super ho hoping that there's a video room. Because I'd like to watch this. I'd like to watch it in slow motion, too. I'd like to get in there with some popcorn and a big seat. And I'd like to watch this. And see what happens when they give him the bread and the fish. Because, I, you know, it's like he starts to break it. Like, does it suddenly multiply? Like, it's like And slow motion. That's what I'd like to do. And then they give it to the disciples. What happens in their hands? Something happens. Because all these people are fed and there's 12 baskets left. This is a miracle. This is unbelievable. But what's the key to it? Well... What do you have? Go find out. What do you have to meet the need? Oh, I only have this much. Give it to me. Give it to me, Jesus. Jesus is the multiplier. Give it to me. And then Jesus gives it back to them. And then they go and multiply. Do you see the picture? Jesus says, what do you have? Ah, not much. Give it to me. Now I'm going to give it back to you in a supernatural way. Now you go give it to other people. Wow. Amazing. Are you seeing this? This is what God wants to do. And all these people are fed. Here's the amazing thing. We think that what we have isn't, isn't acceptable. You know what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8? It says, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Sometimes we don't give what we have because we feel it's little compared to other people. This comparison thing is terrible. I've done it myself. We think, because I am so ungifted compared to this person, or I don't have enough money, or I don't have whatever time, I don't give anything. And God says, hey, I don't care what you have compared to others. All I care is, what do you have? And if you give it willingly, it's acceptable. 
It's acceptable. Think about the Bible when Jesus is watching the people give at the temple. Remember this story? It's kind of creepy, actually. Think about it. Jesus is watching all the people give at the temple. When I say it's creepy, because I think Jesus is watching me give too, right? He's sitting there watching them give. And this woman comes and she gives this, like two little mites, hardly anything. And Jesus goes to us. He notices it and he says to his disciples, hey, that woman right there, she gave more than all those rich people. Because she gave out of her need. She gave out sacrificially. And it's not a lot of money, but to me, it's everything. Do you see what I'm saying? See, Jesus levels the playing field for all of us. We can all give. We can all serve. We can all give what we, he's given us, and it's acceptable. Okay, third picture, real quick. This is in 2 Kings chapter 4. And this one is... Uh, uh, quite a powerful story. The, the wife of a man for the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditors are coming to take my boys as his slaves. So, so this woman, her husband used to work with Elijah as a prophet, but now he's dead, and she doesn't have money, and so she can't pay debts, and they're going to take her sons away. And put him in slavery to pay the debts. Terrible picture, right? And this woman's desperate. And so she says, um, and so Elisha says, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Keep that in mind. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Look what she says, first of all. She goes, your servant has nothing there at all. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there a moment in a time when you're asked to give or contribute to something that's way big? Big need, and your immediate response is compared to that need, I have nothing. You ever done that? I have nothing at all. Because she's thinking, compared to what I need in my house, I don't have anything. So she says, nothing at all. And then she says, except, oh, wait a minute, there is something. Except a small jar of olive oil. But she's thinking, that's nothing. Elisha says, okay, do this. Go ask all your neighbors for jars. Collect as many as you can. And then... I want you to begin pouring the, shut the door, and begin pouring all the olive oil into the jars. So she does. She gets her son to get as many jars as they can. I don't know how many that is. And then she just starts pouring the little bit into more jars. As she does it, it's supernatural. It's kind of like that bread and the fish. It just keeps filling, 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 until there's no more jars. As soon as there's no more jars, it stops. Done. She sells it, pays off her creditors, she, her sons are not slaves. It's a powerful picture. Now, how does it apply to you and I? Well, sometimes you and I only have a little bit. And we feel like, you know, that oil could be like the anointing in our lives. The sense of God's gracing on our lives. We can say, I, I'm not really a super anointed person. I'm just a basic Christian. I, I don't even know if I have the gifting to really reach other people and all that. And God says, hey... What do you have in your house? What do you have in your life that you could give me to reach people? Well, I have a little bit of oil. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that little bit of oil and start pouring it into other people. Well, I'm not really that much. No, no, just take what you have and start investing in other people. Just however that is, personally, serving, even in your church, start serving with what you have. And here's the amazing thing. When you start doing that, you will start seeing God increase you. He'll start increasing your gifting. He'll start increasing even what you have to give, your gracing. 
It's phenomenal. It really is. I, I remember as a young man in Bible school in Portland, Oregon. I went to school in Portland. And uh, every, every Friday night, they would have witnessing on the street. And, and so uh, I, I poured out a lot as a student. I mean, I worked really early in the kitchen in the afternoons. I was studying. And so by Friday night, because of my schedule and all that, I was usually, even as a young man, pretty tired. In fact, I was tempted to go lie in my bunk. I'm just like, I'm going to go to sleep, right? But then I would think, every Friday night, I would think, yeah, but there's people that don't know Jesus, and they're on the streets. And if I go down, who, kn- who knows who I'll reach? And if I don't go, will someone reach them? Like I'd always, I, almost every Friday I went through this, every Friday. And I'd always convinced myself, you should go. I only had a little oil left. Listen, I only had a little oil left. But I wanted to invest it. So I'd go down. Invariably, I would come back higher than a kite. Seriously. I wasn't tired anymore. I was pumped up. I shared with people. One time a guy pulled a knife behind me while I was sharing. And for a 20-year-old, this is pretty exciting, right? (laughs) People were smoking pot in the street. I came from small-town Alberta. Like, this is like I'm in the big leagues, right? I'm reaching the tough people. That's how I felt anyway. But I would always come back. God used me. He increased me. And here's the thing. Sometimes, listen, sometimes we try to preserve ourselves. Here's what we do. We say, well, I only have a little bit of energy, a little bit of strength, so I can't give to that. I'm going to conserve myself. I'm going to preserve what I have because there's no more. And God says, listen, if you preserve what you have, you won't get more. But if you start pouring out of what you have and serving other people and loving other people, I'm going to pour into you and you'll be alive. There's nothing worse than bored Christians. I believe it. I think a bored Christian, it's like it's, it's like an oxymoron, shouldn't be. Christians should be the most excited, on-fire people because God is working through their lives and he's touching others. But sometimes we preserve ourselves. No, what do you have in your house? I don't have anything. Do you have any time? I have no time. Do you have any energy? To... No, I don't. Don't even ask me anymore. <laughs> really, seriously. And maybe, maybe there's times where we shouldn't do certain things. There's times where God says, hey, don't work so hard. But there's other times where God says, listen, part of your lethargy and your fatigue is you're not pouring out. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're the Dead Sea. There's no, there's no water coming out. You know, I have this uh, bracelet here. I got it in Qatar with uh, my buddy Dallas there. We were there at the World Cup store, 70% off because it was a year after the World Cup. It's a good deal. Anyway... <laughs> There's there's little white dot, that's water from Mount Everest, and this little black dot has mud in it from the Dead Sea. This has nothing to do with my message. No, it does a little bit. Um, The Dead Sea is dead because nothing flows in or out. There's no outflow. So it's just a contained amount of water, and it doesn't have life. See, sometimes our lives become like the Dead Sea. Sometimes our lives, we're just like conserving And then we wonder, why do I feel so stagnant? Why do I feel so bored? And God says, open up the outlet. Start letting it out. Start pouring the oil into some other vessels. And watch how many I'll give you. And watch the life that will come into your life. Hmm. You sense something on this? I'm having fun. Hope you are too. (laughs) So what are we going to do today with this? Well, I want to share one more story. And then I will pray and I'm done. So simple things can have a huge impact. I told you that my wife has a, a huge burden for people and evangelism and reaching them. So when we started there in Calgary, um, she, um, 
she thought, what can I do to reach people in this huge city, right? People I, I, I won't see again, people I bump into, what can I do? So what she did is she went and bought $5 Tim's gift cards, okay? Nothing more Canadian than Tim's. She went and bought $5 Tim's gift cards, and she thought, I'm going to give them out. And she wrote on the cards, this is just a friendly reminder of God's love and care. And that's what she did. Simple. And I think, I think her phone number at times, if they want to contact her. But more than anything, it was just like, I'm going to give this to people, and they're just going to sense that God loves them and cares for them. So she went to a Tim Hortons to buy some more of these cards because she was out. And there was a Hungarian woman there who was uh, working at Tim's. And as she's buying the card, she feels the Holy Spirit say, give her a card, which seems weird, right? This woman works at Tim's. You're going to say, hey, I want to give you a Tim's card. I know you work here. <laughs> but, but, but it wasn't weird. It was God. And so she, Val said she kind of locked eyes with this woman and just sensed. And so she gave her the Tim's card. The woman goes home and shows her um, boyfriend the card. And they weren't serving God at that point. And so, but he, he had served God at one point, but he kind of backslidden. And the night before, Val would never have known this, he had, he'd been desperate and he cried out to God. He was in a bad spot in his life. He said, God, show me if you still care for me. <laughs> so then his, his girlfriend comes home, gives him the Tim's card. The Tim's card says, this is just a friendly reminder that God loves and cares for you. It was like God just, <laughs> he was blown away. It was like an angel brought the card, right? Well, today, they gave their lives to Jesus, they're married, and they're still in our church today. Yes, give the Lord a clap. There's, there's more to the story, but my point is this. Is that hard? Was that super hard for Val? It was called obedience. It was called a little bit of oil being poured out. It was called, what do you have in your hand? What could you do? It's called, I'm going to give what I have and see God multiply it and touch these lives. See, it's not that hard. It just takes some intentionality, and it takes us listening to the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to do, because we're, we're done. I want to encourage you. Could, could you do me a favor? Would you stand with me, please, right now as we close? And I want to ask you these three questions. I want to ask you... Uh, these three statements, three, three questions, and I want to encourage you to think about it for a minute, okay? Could you do me another favor? Would you just close your eyes? I just think it's always good if we just ponder for a moment what was just shared, and we just try to apply it to our own lives. So my first question for you is, what is that in your hand? What are you holding in your life right now that God says, surrender it to me? Lay it down. Yeah, God, but it's not enough. I, I'm not gifted enough. I can't. No, no. I want you to walk forward in my purpose. Surrender to me what you do have. Do you have something like that today? Secondly, I want to give you the statement, you give them something to eat. God's calling you to be an agent of feeding others. Even with the little you have, he wants you to be that person who's going to feed other souls and lead them closer to Jesus. Third one is this. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What oil do you have in your life? What resource do you have that God says, I want you to begin to give it? Can we just let that settle for a minute? I sense the Holy Spirit moving here today. Really strong, actually. Because Rock Church, here's what God, I feel he's saying to you. 
He has brought you to a magnificent moment. But the pedal is not going to come up. It's going to go down further because God says, I am using you as an agent of change in this city. I feel like you have served the Lord faithfully as a church for years. You have served and met needs, and you have actually uh, gone to those who others wouldn't go to. And I sensed in my heart this morning the Lord is so pleased with that. In fact, the blessing you're experiencing now in many ways is because of your faithfulness through the years to reach those people that others will have forgotten. And the Lord is blessed and he's pleased. And you know what he says to Rock Church? He says, I trust you. I trust you with the people of Saskatoon. I trust you. And now the Lord is saying to all of you here, all of you, whether you're new or have been here for years, He's saying, we're going to another level yet again, and it involves you directly in your life. I want you to be an agent of change. I want to use whatever you have in your heart. I will bless it and use it and multiply it to feed the masses of this city. That's what I sense. And the Lord says, there's going to be even increasing multiplication because of that, but it's going to be through you, you, in your communities, in your jobs, in your businesses, in your schools. That's what I feel. So he's preparing you. And it's glorious. And there'll be messiness at times, but it also is glorious. And you will see even a greater harvest. So let me ask you a question. Any of you would say, as I shared that with you, you'd say, you know what? God spoke to me. And there's something I need to surrender. There's resources. I know that I need to be open to giving into God's hands. I know that I need to reach out as I can and I'm open to it. Slip your hand up because I want to pray for you today. I believe this is a commissioning. This is a time to come before God and say, God, I'm in. God, I'm in. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. I, I can't even see your hands. So you're not doing it for me. <laughs> you're doing it for God. Just put your hand up. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to throw one more thing in here too while we're putting hands up. Is there anyone here today and you don't know Jesus yet? You're just checking this place out. You heard about it. It's a great church. And you're like, I'm, I'm going to come. But you've never given your life to Jesus. And you sense God tugging at you saying, hey, I have a purpose for you. I want you on the team. Get on the team. Because I'm going to do stuff through your life. And you're going to be on the adventure you've always wanted. And I want to free you from your sin. And I want you to know me and know my love. If you're here and you want to be on that team and you're like, I'm in, this is it, put your hand up too. Put your hand up right now. Yeah. I want to pray with you today. I'm going to do two parts on this. Is this okay? Two parts. One, I'm going to pray for you for those gifts. And the second part, we're going to pray a prayer of commitment to Jesus for those who might have put their hand up. So the first one, I'll pray for you. Father, I pray for each person here who feels that stirring in their heart today. And I ask you to show them what the next steps are. I ask you to help them. Whatever's in their hand, to surrender it. Lord, whatever they have to surrender it to you to multiply, God, I pray a blessing over them right now. I thank you for giving them courage, faith, and opportunity that they'd hear your voice. I thank you for, Lord, all that you're going to do in this, this house. And I bless it. And I thank you for the great leaders Dallas and Leah are. And Lord, their team. And I know there's more. And I pray you'd give them great joy in the journey as they keep moving. And thank you for the momentum and thank you for the many more you're going to reach, Lord, as they give something to eat to this city in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray right now for those, that person or maybe those that 
that have given their life to Jesus. Let's just all pray a prayer right now with those people. Let's just do it as recommitment. Pray after me. Dear Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And then he rose again from the dead. And he lives to be my Lord. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Give me your purpose. I want to follow you. Take the little bit of oil in my life and help me pour it out into the lives of others. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that for the first time, tell a pastor, tell someone, and I'm sure they'll help you in your new journey. God bless you all. Thank you so much.